Welcome back to another episode of the Mad Sports Fans. We are a little lighter on deck today. I am, of course, one of your hosts, Macca, and I am not joined by Smithy, just Nev on today. Nev, uh, Smithy off with bigger priorities and bigger fish to fry. Yeah, he thinks he's got other friends besides us. I'm still yet to see any of them, but, you know, maybe one day. Maybe he was one of the ones that got detained after the cricket yesterday for yelling at uh, Bearstow and Stokes about their, uh, their physiques. Oh, mate, our, our mate Cameron wouldn't yell at anyone. He's not got the seeds for it. No, it sounds something more like what I would do. <laughs> Lucky you live in our glass houses. Yeah, exactly, mate. Body shape positive all about it here, right? <laughs> exactly. Mate, uh, as we catch up today, uh, day four of the test is ongoing. Uh, Australia currently back in batting. I guess without going into the... The fine details, mate, because by the time everyone listens to this, you know, they may be well into day four or even on to day five. Uh, the way things stand at the moment, which way are you leaning? Um, yeah, I'll be leaning for the Aussies to take the victory. Obviously, we're, we're in a good spot um, with where we declared and what we bowled England out for this morning. Um, but yeah, just depending on if we get any rain, the draw could also be a good value bet as well. Again, classic Nev sitting on the fence. Uh, mate, so if if we're looking at that and you're saying, all right, well, we're potentially, you know, like you're leaning towards Australia to win, what total do Australia need to set? So they current they, they went into the innings break, I think, with about a 122-run lead. What do they need to set England to chase and when do they need to be bowling? Allow, allow, allowing there's no rain. Uh, yeah, allowing no rain. Um I'd, I'd like to see Australia set a lead of between 250 and 300 and then hopefully get England back in batting by the third session on day four. Yeah, okay. So to set a lead of 250, that's only another 116 runs. So realistically, I mean, if they if they set that lead, so you, you basically want them to send England back into bat at T this afternoon. Is that what you're suggesting? Yeah, correct. Yep. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to go a little bit more aggressively than that and say they need to be north of 300, which, again, they could do by T, but I'd probably go back out and bat, um, you know, five overs after T if we can. Um, maybe just sort of going into T, depending on how many wickets are down, just start really wielding the willow. And, and if we can get a lead of sort of 330 to 360, um, then, uh, yeah, cert- certainly be, you know, w- worth... Uh, sort of setting a target. Because you've got to remember, England, allowing there's no rain, it's 90 overs tomorrow, or it'll be 98 overs tomorrow, plus a session this afternoon. So if we only set them 250, that's less than two and over. So it's, you know, not really much of a chase for them. So if we can set them sort of 360 from, up, you know, 110 overs, means they've got to score a bit over three and over. So I think that's where we put the pressure on them. It's still achievable. Um, so it's not so much that they're going to shut up shop and just bat for the draw. But again, the other big question mark will be um, whether or not the, uh, I guess, the rain holds off. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, and and we said before the Ashes even got underway that one of the tests would more than likely get uh, become a draw due to the rain. So hopefully that we don't see that here, and the Aussies can get another victory. Well, we know we know that Sydney's always the odds-on favourite if if a test's going to be washed out, mate. So uh, I think it's uh, three times more likely to lose a full day's play than any other test venue in Australia historically. So that's saying something. Um, but we've already lost uh, probably the best part of a day. We lost 40-odd overs on the first day and uh, a few overs yesterday, even though they played extended sessions. So um, that would be the uh, that would be the goal. But, yeah, I'm leaning to the Aussies. Allowing there's no more rain. If we lose too much more to rain, though, I just think the English will just bunker down and bat for a draw. We did see a couple of their batsmen 
sort of bat it fairly somewhat aggressively yesterday, late in the day, but that pitch is not going to get any easier to bat on. So, um, yeah, certainly going to be a challenge for them, mate. Uh, the next bit, uh, we might jump into just talking about, while we're on the Ashes, mate, talking about uh, the fifth test, which is which is coming up in, in only less than a week's time down in Hobart. Interesting news coming out today, first of all, that Josh Hazelwood won't be fit to play. Yeah, I did read that this morning. You know, it certainly brings up a couple of big questions. Do you, do you take Scotty Boland in on current form or do you put either the likes of Jai Richardson or Michael Nisa back in based on how they played in the, uh, the day-nighter in Adelaide as well? Yeah, I, I just think that you know the fact that Boland's bowled well here as well, especially if he picks up any wickets in the second innings, um, he, he's probably just going to be be what, be what would be the safe choice there. It's it's a good problem to have, obviously, but yeah, I'd be leaning towards Boland if you've got to put yours on the line. Never, are you picking Boland or are you going with one of the others? Yeah, I'm I'm picking Boland as well. Go for the fan favourite. The, the the other asterisk against Boland, obviously, is that he did take a fall yesterday, and while he was cleared, if there's any knocks or injuries carrying from that, they won't risk taking him in when it's if we're you know three or four nil up. Yeah, exactly right. You know, and hopefully the there's nothing else that comes out of the scans that he had to have yesterday after he stumbled. Yeah, exactly right. And I guess from on that too, I would uh, I'd also be saying that um, Richardson would be my next cab off the rank. It's a, it's a weird world for poor Michael Neeser. Nice. He's been waiting in twelfth uh, man purgatory for a long time. Finally got his his taste, and then he's just been usurped by two others like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Especially with the form that um, Scotty Boland's been in since he came in, you know, it's it'd be a very tough decision to replace him. Yeah, it would be so. Um, some some pretty good figures. He got off to a, a rocket of a start yesterday. Was a bit slower in the tail end of their English innings, but uh, yeah, at one point uh, having sitting on two for none in that real uh, tight spell that he and Green bowled that had England in all sorts. But anyway, we will we will look forward to it, mate. Uh, I've uh, on one of the previous episodes tipped England for a win in the next test, so I'm very excited to see they've brought Sam Billings into their squad. Um, which really opens things up and could add a bit of aggression. I know a couple of us had us had him in our team that we nominated for this test. But talking batting, what does Australia do with their batsmen? Oh, geez, uh, I think, and you know, finally my predictions come to life. Aussies come in and he scored his ton. So, oh mate, you didn't predict that for this test, though. No, I did, not for this test, I didn't. Um, but I'd like to see Aussie stay. Obviously, you know, he went out there and and did a job. And that's exactly what we wanted him to do, um, you know. And I, I think it'd be a bit harsh to keep Travis Head out of the team when he comes back after COVID, based on how he's batted so far this summer as well. So that uh, it brings the age-old question: Do you keep Marcus Harris in the team at the top of the order? What happens if Marcus Harris goes and peels off eighty or ninety in this second innings? Yeah, and. Therein lies the, the massive question. So, you know, mate, what, you, what, you, what's, what's your call, Nev? You've got to make a call, mate. You can't sit on the fence here. If, if Marcus Harris scores let, let, a, let, uh, let, a big total this second innings, I'm keeping him in and he can uh, be rested. What's his big total? What's, what's, the, what's the cutoff for him? What's he got to get to to keep, to keep his spot in Nev's 11? Uh, in my 11, I'd like to see him score at least 70. But the Australian 11 will probably be 50 on doing. Mate, I, I personally... Unless he goes and outscores what Usman scored in the first innings, Usman's opening in the next test for me. Yeah, okay. I think I said this to you yesterday. If Usman Khwaja, like the numbers he was averaging when he got dropped were a lot higher than what 
Marcus Harris, I was not going to say Ryan Harris, then Marcus Harris is averaging now. So for me, you know, it was a sliding doors moment. I think I said this to you guys yesterday. Had Osman Kwaja not been dropped and had to like, maintain and establish himself in that test side for another two years, when the Tim Payne shit hit the fan a couple of weeks ago, Usman Kwaja would have been named our test captain. That, that, that's not a question. It's not a hypothesis. That's that's a pretty firm statement from people that you know I've spoken to that are that are you know fairly in the know. His leadership qualities when they picked Payne, he was considered as the captain then. So it's it's a real sliding doors moment. And so I just think that the maturity that he showed in that first innings, while the side was sort of you know f- crumbling around him, just showed exactly the value that Usman Kwaja delivers and perfect to come in there as an opener. Harris has got plenty of time in him, and I think if he wants to establish himself as a uh, top-class Test cricketer, then he's got that opportunity to go back and and bat in the shield and and you know try and put some runs on the board there, play in some Australia A tours. If something happens to one of our other players, if another injury comes in, he's going to be the next cap off the rank. He's shown that he can do it, but I'm also concerned that you know he's played the number of Tests he has now, and you know even with you know a couple of scores, I think he scored in the 70s maybe three or four times now. He's yet to yet to break that milestone of a hundred. Like it's it's a bit of a concern, surely. Yeah, and 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 that's exactly what your opening batsman to go out there and do is go out and score hundreds. You know, that's that's their job in the team besides stand under the lid. Um, yeah, that's that's not a bad statement to be honest. Yeah, and and that's the thing. Even even once you put in that latest score, I think his test average is still sub twenty five. He's now played twenty four innings in Test cricket, twenty five with the one that he's in now, I believe. Um, and yeah, he's averaging sub twenty five, so it just it's just not good enough. I mean, it might be good enough if you're English, but it's not good enough if you're Australian. So uh, that's me. Um, I guess we will probably try and get another episode in in the lead up to the test to talk a little bit more about this, maybe on the day before the test. So we'll, we'll probably leave that there. Um, while we're on cricket, mate, let's let's have a bit of a chat about the big bash. It's a, been a bit of a dog's breakfast recently with all the the regen, revamp fixtures and. You know, guys coming in and, you know, I'd, I'd, I said to, said to Smithy the other day, I'd, I'd completely forgotten about Jake Lehman even existing. Um, and he got called back in by by his old man to come and play for Brisbane Heat and, look, did did quite well. Probably the, the score that I think it's the biggest score he's ever gotten in Big Bash here, in his Big Bash uh, career. So it um, shows that he's still got the ability and it shows that there are players on the fringes, but it's just a bit of a mess. The latest being that they, they were going to build a player hub build, I use that term very loosely, but create a player hub where there'd be players based in Melbourne that could just, you know, play for any team. So never, you, you know, you could turn out for the Brisbane Heat today and then play for the Scorchers next week. And like, so, you know, yeah, it's, it'd, be, it'd be a good way to uh, collect a few t-shirts along the way. Yeah, well, mate, uh, you know, gear whores like yourself and I'd be all over it. But um, <laughs> yeah, like, okay. does it rob some? Would it rob some legitimacy from the competition? Yeah, I think it would. Um, you know. And, and all the teams, you know, they've, they've all got players on the fringes coming through. And I think having players that could, you know, like you said, one day play for Brisbane and then play for the Thunder the next, you know, it takes a lot away from the competition and what clubs are trying to build as, as a roster and as a unit. But the, th- the thing is they can't build a roster, mate. That's the challenge. Like, so, so do we just cancel the tournament? Is that one option? Like what, what? What's the solution? I guess like it's all well and good to say it takes away legitimacy. I, I actually don't think it does take away the legitimacy of the, of the competition. Um, and and I might use a little counter argument for you in a minute. But what's what's your solution on it then? I guess if we're not going to have those players there, are we just going to have teams forfeit games? Are we going to keep rescheduling and just keep dragging the competition out, or do we just cut it short? Uh, in my opinion, I think we should be cutting it short. 
uh, teams should be forfeiting if they can't field field a full strength team. Um, you know, like you look at. So what what deter- at, what what determines a full strength team? Yeah, and and that's exactly the point. Like how many? Where do we? I I don't know where to draw the line of how many players you would have out to not make it a full strength team. So yeah, so. Um, and because what's going to happen then is teams won't want to forfeit, so teams will fill it with local grade players, etc. They'll be roping in any man off the street, like you know, you're sitting in the front row and you take a good catch on Friday, you get picked on Sunday. Um, so, so where do we draw the line and say, well, no, you can't have that because there's no limitation on those squad numbers at the moment. So, we, do we get there and say, oh, well, you can only have 25 players in your squad, and if you can't pick a squad from that, then bad luck. Like, and then what happens to people that have bought tickets for those games? Is that there's a lot of things if we're going to cancel games or forfeit games that we've got to take into consideration. But the counter, I will add to that, Nev, and it's something I've raised with, with a guy I know quite well. We were talking about this the other day. The Sixers game in Coffs Harbour the other day got rained out. Yep. They don't replay that. But a COVID game does get replayed. So why can't we replay rain games? There's another whole whole question for me. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. It makes a fair point, you know. It would have more than likely been an easy win for the Sixers. Well, it wasn't easy last time they played him, mate, so... <laughs> no, that's, that's very you, you, true. You get dragged down to those bottom teams like the Heat, remember? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but that's all right. So... We're, we're, we're still equal second with you, so it's all right. That's all right. We're the only team to have beaten the team in front of you. <laughs> Twice. Yeah. I wish I, wish I could say the same. <laughs> uh, mate, hopefully it's an all-Sydney final. There's some good banter leading into that. Um, but... I guess my my counter to your saying it sort of questions the integrity of the competition. Would you suggest there was any question marks over the integrity of the NRL competition in 2021? Uh, No. No, I don't believe so. But players played for multiple sides. I appear to have fallen on my sword here. Yeah. <laughs> you oh, they, they, a hypocrite life. Mate, well, I don't know if you remember, those players obviously loaned to the Warriors firstly, but then the Raiders had players that went to the Bulldogs as well. Um, admittedly, it wasn't COVID directly, but it was just, you know, injuries and other things. So, you know, like it's pretty hard to say that, you know, in one sport it's legitimate that, that they won a title and, you know, you go, oh, well, they weren't, some people might go, oh, well, they weren't sides that are in the, you know, in the finals race or in the in the peak of it. So, it's all right for the, the Heat and the Renegades and the Strikers to, to bring in these players, but the Scorchers and the Thunder and the Sixers, they have to forfeit sort of thing. So mate, it's an interesting one. I am purely playing as devil's advocate. I just think that we just need to do what we can to get, get players on. And if it, hey, we've seen some pretty lopsided games with full-strength squads. So, you know, if we see some lopsided games and so be it, um, we've got a schedule there. If we need to move a couple of games, so be it. But we just need to continue to adapt and evolve. We've got such a backlog of sporting fixtures across the Australian landscape at the moment already. And it's only going to get worse now because we've got the winter sports kicking off, which the AFLW kicked off last night. Um, we've got the NRL starting to go into pre-season trials in a couple of weeks. So you're going to have more games getting postponed with those early on in the seasons, I think, as well, the men's AFL as well. And then once you throw into the fact not only have we got postponed games, it's hard enough to fit in ground availability in March, April, May as well with, you know, you've got you know soccer, you've got cricket still running through into March, all these sports. So... It's very. It's going to be a very challenging landscape. So I just think that we've just got to find ways to get them in. And it looks like they might be moving towards an actual competition hub for the Big Bash, which is a little bit frustrating for interstate fans because it looks like they'll go to Victoria. But that might be the solution if they can keep everyone in there, keep them away from the rest of society, and hopefully um, COVID doesn't take hold too badly. But the challenge is, you know, if Omicron gets into the camp, then it's going to spread through in, into the bubble. It's going to spread through everyone and... 
you might just have to, you know, it's T20 cricket at the end of the day. If someone has to play three games, a team has to play three games in four days to catch up, then so be it. Play some triple headers if we need to. Like, just get the games happening. Yeah, exactly right. And, you know, if they can get three grounds within Melbourne that they could play without crowds just to get it on the TV for the punters, you know, that's, that's probably your ideal option. I think they can still get crowds in, just lim- limit the crowds a little bit. But, you know, um, I exactly as you're saying, I'd be, you know, lock, trying to lock down the MCG, um, Dockland Stadium, and, and also then just uh, keeping Junction over, which we saw a game at the other day, as a backup. Um, we saw them try and take a game at Geelong the other day. It wasn't great. So I would suggest with those three um, and with the size of the pitch squares at the MCG and what they can do at Docklands, you can have enough games rotating play, you know, two-thirds of the games at Docklands, you know, close to close to the rest. Sorry, two-thirds of the games at MCG, close to a third at Docklands, and then any any fallout or ones that just get pushed too, too much into a squeeze. If we have to play four games in a day, then maybe have a doubleheader at the MCG, um, you know, a game at um, the Junction and a game at uh, Docklands all on the same day if that needs to happen. But yeah, there's nothing wrong with having triple headers. I mean, worst case, if they overlap a bit, you kick off a game at 10, another game at, you know, 1, a game at sort of 4.30 and a game at 8. Like, it's it's all doable. Like, yeah, there might be a little bit of half-hour overlap, but, you know, it's going to happen. The other challenge they're going to have, though, is they're not going to want to clash with the test as well. So it's a watch this space, but I think we're going to go down the road of a hub and I think that's the smartest move as much as it might frustrate some interstate fans and you know, it'd be even sweeter if it's in Melbourne and it's an all-Sydney final because that'll really get into those Melbourne sporting coffee Nazi nerds. <laughs> yeah, a bit of pink versus a bit of dark green would be good in the final. Dark green? What are you on about, mate? Lime uh, green? Yeah, yeah, lime green, mate. You're colourblind. Just, just thought I'd get the bite out of you. Hey, they're coming, <laughs> the stars are coming last at the moment. What are you on about? Yeah, I don't know. I was hoping for some purple versus dark green. I've got some good cash on that. <laughs> That's not looking yeah. likely. <laughs> yeah, but you've got cash on everything, so it's all right. Uh, it's only a problem if you admit it. Um, <laughs> right, let's mo- mo- moving right along. And uh, speaking of things you can bet on, the Australian Open, mate, uh, it's not far away. We've had the ATP Cup semifinals are on at the moment. Um, we've got Canada and Russia in action today in that. That's an absolute cracker. Um, but... Uh, there's plenty happening, obviously, off the court as well, which we'll get into in a moment. But let's let's have a look at the competitions themselves. And, mate, um, who, who are you thinking, men's and women's draws, in terms of some good shouts? Uh, obviously, you know, it's the usual favourites and there's the question mark over Novak, which we'll get into. But who, who do you like? Is You know, obviously, Ash Barty's going to be a favourite amongst Australian punters. Is there any roughies there, any, anyone that you've had a look at, any players that you've seen out and about? You've seen some results lately. I don't know, mate. You, you let me know. Um, I haven't sat down and gone through the draw or anything yet. Well, the draw's um, not, the draw hasn't been done yet, mate, so it doesn't surprise me you haven't looked at it yet. <laughs> um, but, yeah, from an Australian side of things, Ash Barty to finally get out there. Hopefully she can win it this year. It would be an absolute fairy tale. That's my pick for the, uh, for the women's. That's, that's, um, a, and that's a very, very basic pick for you, Nev, but, you know, that's all right. Yeah, well, Basic pitch, basic pick for a basic pitch. Um, Your words, not mine, but I'm not going to argue. <laughs> um, and yeah, you know, you obviously, you know, d- depending on who is allowed into the country visa-wise for the men, it'd be hard to back against Novak if he can play as well. So you're going the two favourites, basically, is what you're telling me. You're, yes, I am. Hey, that, that's that's very unlike you. I'll tell you who no, I have been in, who is in some good form. I don't think he'll win it, but he's been in some good form over in Adelaide is Tanasi Kokonakis. So 
Uh, good to see him finding some form finally. Uh, Naomi Osaka playing well as well at the moment. Uh, but uh, I, I like um, the uh, the young young Emma Raducanu. Um, she picked up a Grand Slam last year, uh, the young Brit. Um, and she, I think you can get about $25, $26 about her uh, at the moment. So she won the US Open last year. Um, so she, she's one to watch for me as a bit of a roughie. You quite often see some of the women go through um, some roughies that will get a little bit deeper in the draw. So, yeah, I, I don't mind uh, her if you're looking for a bit of value um, in terms of uh, the women's draw. Um, but in terms of men's room, I thought you would have been on the Fed Express, mate. So, you know, who, who are you? Have you got any tips if Novak doesn't win? Uh, yeah, the Fed as well. I'm, I'm, I've, I've, I've not really looked too much into the tennis for the hey, time Fed, yet. I was, I was baiting you there. Federer is not coming out. Yeah, well, that shows how much I have looked into it. Yeah, no, you're, uh, you, you've done well there, mate. Uh, I've, I've got one for you. I reckon you'll like this bloke. Check him out. Stefanos Tsitsipas, the Greek the Greek man. Long hair, headband. He's, he's all about the look, mate. Uh, he's, a, he's a vlogger on YouTube. Uh, he's about, uh, probably about the fourth or fifth favourite, around about 17 bucks, just past your man Rafa. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't mind him. The other one that's um, been playing some really good tennis in the lead-up is... Uh, um, Daniel, Med- Daniel Medvedev, he'll be the favourite going in. Uh, the Russian number two, he'll become become the number one. Obviously, if Novak's not there, he'll still be the number two seed because the number one will be absent. But, um, yeah, he'll be the favourite at this point, I'd say. Um, and definitely if Novak gets ruled out, it'd be great to see if we get a battle between the couple of young guns, though, himself, uh, Alexander Zverev, Zverev. It's a bit of a mouthful from Germany. Um, and then sits a pass as well. I also don't mind uh, young Felix Auger Aliassim from Canada, who's an up-and-comer as well. So there's some new names coming through there. There's a few of the uh, regular names. Andy Murray, about an $81 shot. Uh, Grigor Dimitrov, about the same. Nick Kyrgios, $81. Alex Demonor, the Demon, $101 from an Aussie point of view. So um, certainly a few of those that could uh, hopefully get through at least to the round of 16 or maybe even the quarterfinals. Maybe good if we could see some Aussie representation. Yeah, it'd be um, you know really quality to see the likes of Kyrgios and Demonor push a little bit further into the competition this year. Yeah, interesting to see Kyrgios this morning and probably a good transition point um, talking about the Novak Djokovic stuff. And um, yeah, he's he's sort of mellowed and softened on it a little bit uh, in regard to, to where he sits currently. So um, I, th- I think it's fair. I think some of the attacks that have gone on on social media now are getting probably a little bit personal before we get into the nuts and bolts of it, mate. Um, you know, irrespective, I guess, of what your thoughts are on vax, anti-vax, et cetera, et cetera, like, it's still just people involved. Yeah, exactly right. And you know, Novak's no the number one tennis player in the world, and you know, and it, it it doesn't necessarily diminish the quality of the competition if he doesn't play. But for a punter's standpoint, it would be really good if we could see him play. And you know, obviously from the human side of things, you know, obviously you and I have seen a lot of, and everyone has probably seen a lot of the memes on Facebook. I know we shared quite a few with each other just for a little bit of a laugh. But you know, it does get to the point where enough does become enough. It's especially when it's targeted stuff. Um, don't get me wrong; it's you know certainly been some interesting comments that have come out from certain parties, including his family. Uh, some interesting comparisons with um, the, the the Messiah, not Brad Murray, Jesus Christ. Um, but it's yeah, it's it, it's very bizarre some of the viewpoints on it. But I guess let's get down to the nuts and bolts of it, mate. So the, the snapshot I can gather from it all is. We had the Victorian government 
and Tennis Australia have come to a conclusion between them with their panels that he's that he was valid for an exemption. He's then got on the plane with his visa exemption being understood, but when he's got here and provided the information to Border Force, they've said, well, no, that doesn't meet the criteria as that was clearly outlined to Tennis Australia, etc. and it'll be the same. And there's, there's some other players that have sort of, some that have snuck through the cracks and, and they're now sort of retrospectively looking at them and some others that are in the same boat. But at the end of the day, who who does the who does the blame sit with from your point of view? Is is it Djokovic for not making sure that he had his ducks in a row? Is it Tennis Australia for you know giving a bit of a bum steer? Is it the Australian government? Do you think they've just backflipped after public opinion? Where do you think it sits? Uh, I, th- I think the blame has to sit with Tennis Australia, um, being that they've passed on to the ATP that they're you know that. They've claimed that there was an exemption for players who have had and contracted COVID in the last six months to come into the country. Obviously not being the case from the Australian federal government. It might have been different from the Victorian government. Um, but, yeah, for me, Tennis Australia is to, is to blame. Or I'm, mostly to blame, I, yeah. I'm, I'm yet to see where that has been communicated to the ATP. So have you, have you seen something that's actually spelt that out? I, I read an article this morning uh, that, said that they've got leaked emails going from Tennis Australia to the ATP confirming that. Yeah, okay. That'll be interesting because obviously we've seen the emails that have been leaked from Greg Hunt's office uh, saying that clearly outlining a number of times that that wouldn't be the case and that wouldn't meet the requirements. But at the same time, someone's issued a visa as well because at the end of the day, he doesn't get let on a plane in Serbia if he doesn't have a visa. Yeah, correct. And the other thing that I saw was I saw a photo or it was a string of photos of Novak actually at the airport at immigration and he didn't look like a guy that was trying to sneak through the back door. He was presenting his handful of papers ready to be inspected, obviously expecting to be let in. Like, you know, a guy of his, you know, background doesn't fly here on a whim to go, oh, well, maybe I can sneak through and they might not know who I am sort of thing. Like, there's yeah, there's I, I think the majority of the blame, again, sits with Tennis Australia I don't think a lot of it sits with Novak Djokovic. Actually, the, the more the more I look into this, the more you know I, I I wonder about it. You know, I don't blame him for looking for you know trying to source an exemption. He's trying to carry on his work like many people are. Um, and also from the point of view of you know, there's a lot of these people that are sort of saying, oh well, you know, he's anti-vax. You know, this, this, and this. Again, everyone's got their different difference of opinion. And if if Novak was in Australia, he would be able to participate. If he was an Australian who'd been based here for the last six months. He would be able to participate. Yeah, exactly. Why does that make it any different for him not to be able to participate? And he, you know, he hasn't uh, done anything well, it's, wrong. It's, it's not about the issue of him not participating. It's about the issue of him actually coming into the country. But that's that's, I guess, the counter I wanted. My issues with Novak, though, are the carry on that has gone on from his family, the government, you know, and you know, just about the fact that he's in this this you know lower class hotel, which is obviously below his standards. But it's good enough for everyone else that comes in if that's if you're in the same boat if you or I are in the same boat that's where we would end up and as Barnaby Joyce said he's welcome to leave the hotel and I don't often agree with Mr Joyce but he's welcome to leave the hotel and jump on a plane back to Serbia till it's sorted out if he wants to or he can stay in the hotel that's been provided and set out as per you know the requirements of border force and you know that everyone else adheres to so um, yeah I, that that frustrated me more than anything of it um, there was some obviously perception that he might have been granted exemptions because money changed hands. I think that's been cleared up now, but yeah, it's it's certainly a bit of drama. I think Craig Tilley's probably got himself on the ropes in terms of keeping his job, which is a real shame because he's been 
um, quite a good promoter of tennis in Australia and done a really good job running Tennis Australia up to this point. Yeah, you're exactly right. And, you know, if and it, from, from what I read this morning, you know, it, even even if this legal proceeding does drag out as um, Novak's lawyers go to court on Monday regarding this whole exemption, um, if, if that still goes to court and he's still in the country, he could be more than likely to still play while this drags on. Yeah, okay. I hadn't I hadn't seen that as of yet, so that'd be interesting because I'm not sure that based on um, what the government had said that they were going to release him from that hotel to be able to participate in the tournament. So because they're not releasing him from there to train at this stage, so they they would have to get an order or a stay from the courts while the court proceedings were were in play, essentially to allow him to continue to play. Yeah, exactly right. So yeah, it's it's certainly I don't doubt there's plenty more twists and leaked emails to come. Um, but it's certainly a space to continue to watch. Um, and yeah, there's, yeah, it's it's a it's a bit of a it's a bit of a novelty and a bit of an interesting one. Um, I see that just just in the last sort of forty minutes, news.com's released an article. Um, he's had a request from inside hotel detention rejected um, for being able to train or go or gym. Um, so yeah, it's. It's quite a, uh, quite a, yeah, so it's, I'm just trying to read through this as we go. So um, he will not be approved for quarantine-free entry or participation with it within the Australian public, basically, is the way they've worded it. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, certainly going to be very interesting to uh, continue to watch this and um, see what, you know, the courts decide to rule on it. Yeah, and, you know, hopefully, you know, it gets to the bottom of it sooner rather than later so we can put all this behind us and focus on the competition that is the tennis, not all the controversy that's going on beforehand. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. One of his other requests is he's asked for his personal chef to be able to cook him meals for him at the hotel, but this request has been rejected. So they, they have, however, tailored the meals to his dietary requirements. So, I mean, it's not like they're making him eat gruel in there, so... It's you know it's it's a challenging one. There's people that are going to sit on each side of it. At the end of the day, I'm very much like yourself. though, probably to wrap it up, and that is, if they can wrap it up sooner rather than later, so that you know and we use this term before when we talk about the big bash, you know, the, the integrity. It's not so much the integrity, but there isn't that cloud hanging over of oh you know this happened or that happened, and and the people that get there and go oh well it won't be a legitimate title if if you know someone else wins if Novak's not there. Would they have said that if Novak had won this tournament and Roger wasn't there? Like no. there's, there's always there's always players that are out. Like that's just the nature of it. We're not looking back and going through the asterisks of, you know, this out or the other. It's only because this is such a public one, and it's not due to his own choice that he's unavailable or own injuries. So, it's um yeah cer- certainly an interesting one, mate, to watch. But uh, yeah, I don't doubt we'll still be talking about this in a few days' time when we catch up again. Yeah, exactly right. All right, mate. Well, just to wrap it up, I will point out that there is um, a great opportunity for Aussie tennis fans and maybe for yourself, mate, to start brushing up on the tennis tonight. Uh, two Aussies in action in the semifinals of the Adelaide tournament. We've got Thanasi Kokonakis taking on the number one seed and his childhood hero, Gail Monfi from France. Uh, that will be the main game in the lead-up to that. Ash Barty uh, will be coming up against Iga Swiatek from Poland. So that'll be uh, the number five seed taking on Ash Barty, the number one seed. So that's from about 7.30 Eastern time. So it'll be um, an absolute uh, cracker tonight, mate. Uh, well worth uh, tuning in uh, to a couple of games of Aussie tennis alongside the yeah. Big Bash that's on tonight as well. So 
Probably watching the Thunder get another win, hopefully. I'll have to break out the multi-screens, mate. Could be a big night for Australian sport. Always big. Uh, plenty happening as well. Obviously, the Test Cricket ongoing. So, um, again, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Make sure to check out all of our social media channels. Nev, you know what they are. Let's see if you can nail it down this week. Yeah, so we've got TMSF Pod on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Yeah, that's exactly right. So TMSF Pod. Uh, jump on there. Follow us along. There'll be plenty more coming uh, content-wise there in the coming weeks. And, uh, yeah, again, thank you for tuning in. Make sure to give us some feedback on the social media channels. We really appreciate everyone getting involved. And uh, we will uh, be back with a preview in probably about five days of the fifth and final Ashes test, as well as a wrap-up of all your other sporting headlines.